Before I start on the message this morning, uh, just a couple of business things real quickly here. Uh, in your bulletin, I know Herbert mentioned this flyer from Sunshine Preschool that uh, we have a summer program now, and there's information here about that. Uh, just wanted to point out something. It says on the bulletin, four-year-old class is full, and it also says, it says space is limited, okay? We've had a wonderful response to this for this summer, so there's been a commitment made that we will do whatever's necessary to accommodate all the children, even if we have to hire additional people or whatever way we need to expand. So we're thankful to God for sending children here, and, and we will teach them all as much as possible. But that's changed since the bulletin was printed, and I just want to point that out, that uh, due to the commitment and response by the Lord and children, that we're going to change as necessary to accommodate all these children. <clears throat> I know Herbert mentioned uh, this afternoon when we plan these things for the church, you know, I've been asking for two weeks, Lord, give us a beautiful day. All right, he didn't listen to me. And uh, he has all the plans, and whatever plan he's got for it raining today, that's his business, and we will be obedient to that. But because of our uh, elderly folks and also families of small children, there's a 40% chance of rain, which means 60% chance is good and 40% chance is bad. All right, if you get hundreds of people on that parking lot, then the storm comes, and then we've got to hustle people into the fellowship hall real quick with families and everything else. It's too much to try to absorb. So we are going to go ahead and have the activities in the fellowship hall. Below the fellowship hall in the children's department, uh, Michelle is setting up some games for kids and this type of thing. So... The, the, everything's going along. We will have hamburgers and hot dogs be eaten around 4.30 and that sort of thing. But do plan to come. You won't need your lawn chairs, but do plan to come. But every, all the eating will be in the fellowship hall. One thing we are changing is um, after we eat, we're going to open it up to anybody who would like to sing a song, give a testimony, say a few words. This is us, the church body, in celebration. And I want you to be thinking about that. Um, you know, you don't have to have a message like me this morning or whatever, but I know the Lord is speaking at his church, and he's speaking to his people. And tonight, uh, if you've got a few words to say the Lord is leading you to say, we're going to give you that opportunity or to sing a song or whatever. But we're going to leave this in the Lord's hands. Maybe this is what he has planned, and maybe that's the reason for the rain. It's to get us inside to hear him and we don't make that plan we just follow it so that's kind of what we're doing <clears throat> so give us some thought and we hope to see you tonight by all means <clears throat> first of all let's pray our gracious Heavenly Father Lord we pray at this time that you will speak and Lord help me to present what you want to say Oh Lord, may your word be open that we will receive it to hear you and to be obedient to it. And Lord, we do pray for our Sunday school and our church. The Lord, it is ready for you when you come. That we as individuals are ready for you when you come. And Lord, we just pray for your strength and power to do what no man can do in this day and world. Which is uphold your message and Lord, to give it to us that we will receive it and be obedient to it. And we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen.
First of all, I want to bring out two passages of Scripture that I'm basing on everything I say on, which is where when you stand here, you have to speak by what the Lord has written and said. First of all, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Verse 58, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. It says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, this is the Lord talking to us, his church, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Also, if you will turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10, verses 23 through 25. This says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And of course, this day drawing near refers to the Lord calling us home as his church and as his body. Because of all the activities we see in today's world, and you all see them on the news and the radio and so forth, I think the time has come for us, who is the church body, of course, along with the pastors here, it's time for us to step up and speak out. It's time for us to defy the world that's trying to lead us in the wrong path and speak up what God has said and not be afraid and to speak it boldly and plainly as God has written it. I think there's a reason for this. I feel like the Lord's coming, as he has said, is very near. Literally, we might not leave here today, leave here today at this moment without him calling us up. Many other men and women too, much smarter than I am in the Bible, have all said all the prophecies of God's word have now been fulfilled whereby Jesus could come back at any time. And the question is, are we ready as individuals? And are we ready as a church? And that answer has to come from us as individuals. We'll take a minute here to talk about what's in the world today and what we're facing. I'm going to point out some things here. These are statistics that I've found in recent weeks and days from very trustworthy people. First of all, marijuana use. 23 states in Washington, D.C. allow medical marijuana. Four states have now allowing it for recreational use, for the fun of it, to get high. Five percent of employers in this country now accommodate employees who like to use marijuana on the job. North Carolina is now considering a medical marijuana law. And of course, this is on top of the huge drug problem we already have of, that you all know about. And this states are doing this and changing this, of course, for the sake of money because it raises, raises a huge amount of revenue when you tax it and sell it. 
We now have nations, governments, companies, people, while prohibiting prayer and witnessing and the Bible in its institutions are embracing and promoting sin. Marriage is now redefined by the Supreme Court of the United States as basically being between whoever wants to define it, it seems like, of any lifestyle and any marriage that you want to put together. But we know what the Lord defines marriage as between a man and a woman. We also have the what we call the HB2 situation here in North Carolina. And, and folks, I don't understand all that. I'm, I'm really not, I guess, into that world or and all that. But now I think we now realize it's a bigger problem than just North Carolina. 200 cities in this country now have laws that protect that lifestyle and give it rights and civil liberties. Uh, 22 states have adopted laws endorsing it, saying that it's okay and you have going to any bathroom or whatever you want, I suppose. Uh, like these lifestyles that we talk about are known as to be an abomination to the Lord. If you look in Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 5. Deuteronomy 22, verse 5. <clears throat> I'm going to read this right out of my Bible. Your translation may be a little different. It says, A woman shall not wear a man's clothing, nor shall a man put on a woman's clothing. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord your God. <clears throat> we also see an, an attack on Christian beliefs. It's amazing in all this controversy of HB2 and different lifestyles and this type of thing, the way it's being forced upon us, those who believe in Jesus Christ and the church at Lord, we're being forced to accept this whether we want to or not. We've got governors in other states who say we're not going to send our representatives to your state. We have companies who say we're not going to build an office or a plan in your state because of what you're doing and what you believe in. We have Hollywood and movie industry saying they're not going to come here and make movies because of our stand. We also have basketball teams who don't want to have the all-star team here. But it's like if we don't accept this, all right, you're going to be punished, and we're going to force this on you anyway. Fortunately, we worship an almighty God who says otherwise, that he's the Lord, King of kings, and that he's going to do, and his word is final. <clears throat> It's an election year. I know we all feel good about that one. Uh, if we had all week, we'd stand here and talk about that one, but we don't have all week, okay? But I hope you feel better about the two candidates uh, than I do. And, and every day, folks, we need to remember that we have an election every day and who we would choose to serve every day. <clears throat> I think we have too much of a thinking in this world today that we're going to elect in righteousness and Christianity and holiness through election of government officials, and it's not going to happen, folks. You know, it was back in the 1960s the government took prayer out of school. We thought we were going to elect officials back into office who was going to put it back in, and it has not happened. We thought since the 1970s when abortion 
was legalized in this country, that we're going to elect in officials, again, who are going to change that and to stop abortion. It has not happened. We could put Christians in every political office in this nation, in this state, in the local government, and everywhere there is government in this world, but it still comes down to a selection by us as individuals as to who we will serve. Righteousness and holiness and being saved comes through the blood of Jesus Christ only. If we want to change the nation and this world today, it will come about through a revival of people getting back to God, accepting Christ, promoting him, speaking up, and not being ashamed about it, and we leave the Holy Spirit of Almighty God to do the rest. I'm going to read you something I saw in uh, Billy Graham's magazine. It's called Decision. <clears throat> and this was just, I think, in, in last month's edition. But it talks about Christian persecution, the record number of believers killed last year. That's the title of it. I'm just going to read it to you. A new report from Open Doors USA says 2015 was the worst year on record for Christian persecution around the world citing Islamic extremism and authoritarian governments, the report estimate that 7,000 Christians were killed for their faith around the world in 2015, an increase of 50% from the previous year, the highest number on record since statistics have been kept on the matter. On the top of the 10 countries on the list, Nine are primarily Muslim, but North Korea's totalitarian regime topped the list. It's interesting, since records have been kept, the Christian people around the world are being killed, and the ones who aren't being killed are being forced to do what they don't believe in. <clears throat> Something else I read in USA Today just this week. April was the 12th consecutive month of record global temperature. And this is evidenced by the fires we see in Canada, where hundreds or even maybe even thousands now of homes have been destroyed and it's still burning today. We talk about global warming. Maybe it's God turning up the heat. You've all heard the story now about the Zika virus. Did you hear just a couple of days ago it's now tripled in size in the United States in the number of cases of people who've had it or caught it. You know, folks, how do you stop mosquitoes? You know, how are you going to exterminate every mosquito in this country? It's impossible to do that. <clears throat> a couple of years ago, some of us had the chance to meet a guy called Clint Clifton. Clint is the head of church planning in the Washington, D.C. area. <clears throat> and he gave us some statistics three or four years ago what's going on in churches. Clint's the gentleman who put us in touch, in touch with Pillar Church, the Marine Corps ministry that caters to the Marine families in Dumfries, Virginia, and Jacksonville, North Carolina, that some of us have been going and ministering with. But I emailed him a few weeks ago and said, Clint, can you send me the current statistics of what's going on in churches in America? <clears throat> He emailed me back and said, <clears throat> Carol, look at my website. The numbers are there. <clears throat> so 
So I looked it up on his website, and if you'd like to see this for yourself, I'll give you the website address. But I'm going to read what he wrote on his website, and I trust because he is a part of the North American Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention. This guy is one of us, and they keep up with these numbers. Between the years 2010 and 2012, more than half of all churches in America added not one member. Each year, nearly 3 million more previous church scores <clears throat> entered the ranks of the religiously unaffiliated. And there was 3 million supposedly church scores are quitting going to church and not identifying themselves with any particular denomination. <clears throat> Churches in North America are closing their doors at an alarming pace. If you're reading this during a church service, consider the fact that about 170 churches have closed since you attended church last week. That, that's 34 churches a day, 750 churches a month, and that relates to 9,000 churches a year melting under the heat of our increasing secular society. <clears throat> this number may surprise you since you don't see a drastic reduction in the number of church buildings, but don't be fooled by the optics. The American church is in steep, steady decline. Western Europe went through a similar season over the course of the 20th century, particularly during the 1960s. Today, the streets of major European cities are lined with church buildings that outlived the congregations that built them. Hundreds of buildings throughout Europe now operate as restaurants, nightclubs, concert venues, cafes, modern condominiums, museums, and even mosques. They stand as a stark picture that Western culture is rejecting Christianity. I think this simply gives us something realistic to look at and be grateful for where we are in our own church, that we are not among this number. But we're seeing people simply walking out of the church and not returning now. And like the article says, millions. At this rate, you wonder how long any churches will be left when people are simply deciding not to go to church to hear God's word. In our own church here, all right, what's going on around us, so to speak? You know, here in our own church in the last year or so, we've set up a security team of our own to safeguard ourselves and our women and our children from some outside intruder who may want to harm us in, this, in our own church. We found it necessary with just one little situation that we better be doing this. We've also taken steps and policies to be sure the church building is not used for any ungodly reason. It's known in today's world that if you rent out the church to open public, that anybody can come in for a wedding of any kind, can be used for any service of any kind, and that's not what we allow here. It must be something of a godly nature according to God's word or something of a reasonable opportunity not to be used in an ungodly manner. Something else that we have coming up, and this is not a bad thing by any means, 
But you all know our pastor announced his retirement recently. And while we have been blessed for many years by his presence and also the Lord has blessed his life for many years, we also know that time comes for retirement and the time comes for us to find a new pastor. First of all, we should be happy for him that he's reached this point in his life. He has worked for it. He has earned it. He deserves it. Believe me, we all know that. It's time for him to relax a little bit. I have a prayer request for you. Pray that he gets many turkeys in his gun sights and many bass on the end of his fishing line. Because he deserves them all. And I actually failed to mention this in the first service, but he shared with some of us that he's not actually going anywhere. He plans to still live in the house that he lives in. He still plans to be a member of this church also. He's not going to be changing his membership. What a wonderful relationship to have with a pastor, you know. But we need to pray for God's person for another good pastor. While we have been blessed with a good one, we want the pastor that God wants for us and the pastor that the Lord wants to send, and we need to be in prayer about this. We need to pray, Lord, your will be done, and you send the man you want for us to have. What that does is it moves over Carol's will and your will, and God can send his will in by what he wants. We need to remember that God wants good things for this church, and he wants us to have a good pastor. He wants the work to continue, the love to abound, and all that to continue right on just like it has. And the Lord certainly has a man in mind. I can't tell you who he is. I can't tell you where he's at. I can't tell you how we're going to find him. The Lord worked through our present pastor. He'll work on the next one. So why shouldn't we trust him? Also, I want to remind us all, the head guy in church is not leaving. His name is Jesus Christ. Thank you, sir. You know, we forget, you know, as, as much humanity as we are and, and with all the activities we have, it's not our church either. This is the Lord's church. This is his, we are his body, and he wants good things for us. He's not leaving us. I don't care what the rest of the world is doing. I don't care what direction it, or hardship it brings on us or whatever. He's in charge, and we trust him for all things. I think in today's world, there are too many churches expecting a pastor to make them what they ought to be before the Lord. And that's a mistake. The pastor is just the instrument whereby God speaks to us. And God makes us what we ought to be. The problem is, are we, le- are we yielding to God's word? Are we following him? Are we being obedient to our pastor? And again, something else I forgot to mention at the first service we are still blessed with a man with a lot of experience here who knows God's word and he's filled with the Holy Spirit we all need to listen to him because he knows what he's talking about he's not a new kid on the block he's lived the life he's taught it he's studied it the Lord is still using it we need to be here to listen to what he has to say So what are we to do now in today's world and in our church? Okay, I want you, first of all, to hear the words of Jesus. 
Why don't you turn your Bible to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew 24, first of all, 7 through 14. I want you to hear what Jesus said. Starting in verse 7, it says, For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. In various places there will be famines and earthquakes. Nation against nation. This is like the Middle East. Country against country. People fighting, warring, and so forth. Kingdom against kingdom. Russia against America. China against America. In various places, famines and earthquakes. You see this on the news every week. Verse 8, but all these things are merely the beginning of birth pains. Then they will deliver you to tribulation and kill you, like the 7,000 I just mentioned. You will be hated by all nations on account of my name. How the churches today are being afflicted because they won't bow down to the rest of the culture. And at that time, many will fall away and will deliver up one another and hate one another, like the millions leaving the church today, and churches are closing on the literal streets of America today and hate one another as in racism. And many false prophets will arise and will mislead many, like presidents, like leaders of nations. And because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. And that's what we're seeing today in a fallen world of people not attending the churches. <clears throat> but the one who <clears throat> endures to the end, he shall be saved. And this, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world for a witness, as it is now in all nations, by mi missionaries, by radio, by television, by the Internet, computers, is now being preached around this world. And then the end shall come. The end being the end of the church age when we, his church body, are going to be called up to meet him. Also look at verses 32 and 33 in this same chapter of Matthew 24. <clears throat> Verse 32 says, Now learn the parable from the fig tree. When its branches have already become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. Even so, you too, when you see all these things, recognize that he is near, right at the door. So what are we as a church to do at this time? Number one, we pray for each other. We encourage each other. We also pray for our sick, as we always do. We pray for the suffering, as we always do. We pray for our elderly, as we always do. We need to come and be in God's house, like I just mentioned. In the world that's going off the cliff, this is the day we need to be in God's house to gather his strength, his guidance, his endurance that he talks about. It's amazing to me how many people in this life today are looking for direction, they're looking for guidance, they're looking for strength and everything else, but won't bother to come to church on Sunday. I confess to you all, I need it every week. You know, by the time the world beats you up all week long, I need some refreshment. It's good to be here. 
We need to work in God's house. <clears throat> in just a few weeks, we'll be planning the next church year, and Herbert will be here with that slip of paper again saying, hey, whatever you'd like to sign up for, please sign up. Whatever you'd like to give up, give up. And we make it so easy here for you to work in God's house. All you've got to do is sign up. And we will even help you with that and get started. We also need to be witnessing to other people. We need to be bold enough to tell them, okay, this is what God says. We can talk about politics all day long. We can have debates and everything else. But I'm sorry, it's not about debating. It's about being obedient to it. And we need to know what God has said because that's the only thing that will let us into heaven is what God has said and not by what we think or somebody else's opinion. And also, please, please do this. Bring children. Please bring children. And what they're being taught today on the television and radio, computer, and in schools and everywhere else, where one of the few institutions that's still left that's going to give them Bible stories, the truth of God, and still give them the truth of what it takes to be saved in today's world. Children need to be around adults also who believe. They need to be in a setting whereby they're in a setting of believers in the church who will encourage them and to help them and encourage young families also. For our Sunday school teachers, continue to do what you're doing. As far as I know, every teacher here teaches out of the Bible as best they can. Each Sunday, I pray that they are led by God's Spirit to say what he wants said, to present it the way he wants it presented. Since I ordered literature, I can tell you our literature has not deviated from anything. Continue on in what you're doing. I do ask, don't be afraid to speak it boldly. Speak it louder if you want to. Don't back down off of it. Don't sugarcoat it. Don't, you know, take away from it or anything else. Be bold enough to teach it the way you always have and preach it right out of the Bible because that's what the world needs today. And I ask you all, if you want to attend a Sunday school class, please see us. We will find you one. But our pastors in our churches, <clears throat> particularly, I guess in our church at least, whereby the Word of God is being taught, it's more encouraging also and additionally encouraging to get in a Sunday school also. Getting it twice on Sunday morning is a really good thing, and we encourage you to, to do that. But we as the body of church, we can't back down just because of what we see on the news and the radio and the society today, this is the time we step up and say, this is what God says. Because we're not doing people a favor to just pacify them, and they end up standing before Christ someday and said, Lord, you know, I died in 2016, and this is what they were doing. That's not going to be an excuse. We've got to be bold enough to tell them. I'll remind us in Revelation 22, verses 18 and 19, God gives a stern warning to those who add and those who take away from his word. And that also means changing it. And whereby I'm, I'm grateful, very grateful to be in this church. And to my knowledge, nothing has been changed in the history of it. But you know, the founding fathers of this church, when they had that first Bible study <clears throat> in someone's home, if they were here today, they would be astounded as to what they see and to what the world has become. They wouldn't believe what we're facing today. In closing, I want to say <clears throat> one last thing. I know I, I talked about uh, 
the HP2 HB2 thing, and if you know what LGBT stands for, uh, the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender crowd, so forth, and, and also we have those who are addicted to drugs, and I mentioned marijuana and these other things. Folks, I remind us all, we are no better than them. We are all sinners saved by the grace of God. And these people need love. They need somebody to love them, to care about them, to try to understand them. You all know that old saying, you can love the sinner without loving the sin. We don't have to endorse their lifestyle or anything else, but we can still love them. These people need direction. They need God. They need somebody in their life to love them. Because every person here, the body of Christ is built on sinners who have come to that saving grace. And we as a church family have got to illustrate that. You know, it's in our families. It's in the world today. It's everywhere we go. The world is full of lost people who don't know, who feel like there is no hope, there's no love or anything else. That's what we are called to do. We forget when Jesus was on this earth, he was persecuted to the point of death. And it was by religious people, by governments, they literally put him to death. Are we also not to also take some pain also for his word and his work? But we have got to continue in what we do here and be strong about it. Thank you for listening.